episode two. Hello. Goodbye, Dinah. Welcome to my closet. Oh, here we are again. <laughs> this is episode two, where we're going to dive deep into Andy Jacobs' first album that he wrote and recorded. By um, myself? By your, yes, by yourself. Take us back. What year is this? Uh, I think that puts us in 2002. Okay. And now we went over in the first episode kind of what led you up to writing this album, but what really inspired, like, I need to write an album? I don't think it started that way. I think it, it started out with, I just needed to have an outlet for my feelings. So I wrote a song out of necessity um, in order to try to uh, get over heartbreak. And uh, I just kept, I, everyone responded to the first song so well that I decided to try it again next week. And I turned it into a kind of, like, I guess I sort of dared myself to do one a week at first. And I would start um, doing it on Sundays. And I just to try to practice, get, just trying to do it, even though some of the songs I felt like were really bad. I would just, you know, I felt like you had to get them out of the way because I heard that you just got to, doesn't matter how much time you work on it, the first several, I don't know, dozen or so songs are going to be horrible. So you just got to get them out of the way and learn. All right, so you're doing a song a week. Yeah, I would, I would uh, on Sunday mornings, I wouldn't get out of bed until I had a song written, and there was no way to record it at the time. I didn't have recording equipment or anything. I just had a guitar and a notepad, and I would try to have the lyrics written and have the whole song structured and memorized before I even put my feet on the floor. Who was the first person to hear one of your songs after it had been completed? Uh, I think I took it over to the group that I was hanging out with most of the time, which was Josh and Hannah and Craig and probably Jeremy was there. Probably some other. So you got some like moments. honest musician feedback. Yes. Nice. I remember going over to their apartment and sitting down in the middle of the floor and just while they were still sitting on the couch, I probably turned the TV off and just sat on the floor and just <laughs> like, hey, guys, I need you to just listen to this. And then I did it and people were blown away, I guess. And it gave me enough confidence to try it again the next week. I had written songs before, but it was mostly uh, like in Thought Police. It was never lyrics. It was always just the music. And I had gotten pretty confident at the music part of it, but the lyrics and singing was a little scary um because i think the last time i had tried to do that was in uh mr toad's wild ride and those were really bad songs <laughs> those were i cringe but they were originals yeah those okay. were original songs back in 97 they were so bad but i guess i had to get the those out of the way i was really young those songs were just about the stupidest things but the first song that came out was definitely just about being heartbroken and trying to find some kind of hope through it all. And it just, it came out like vomit. <laughs> it was just like, I think something happened and like I had lost hope in, in a girl and I needed to have some way to express that and get it out. And that actually worked pretty well. Yeah, did you record once you had gotten a compilation of songs or did you start recording one song at a time 
and collect them? I started out recording. Well, I, I didn't have any recording devices, so I think I was just rehearsing them all the time. Like I would, I think I was working at Ben Takeout then, and uh, so I would do my delivery job and then come home and just play whatever songs I had written over and over and over again. And then the next week I would add another one and add that to the mix and just play them a hundred million times until I think that started in March. So I think I wrote the first one near the end of March and then I was writing one a week. So by the time the summer came around and I had about 12 songs, I started or I borrowed someone's four track. Um, I don't remember who, maybe they brought it to their practice space and I set up in one of their, what do you call it? It's like one of those train container. What, what are shipping containers. Shipping container. Yeah, yeah. They, that's where people would have band practice back then is in this empire mini storage mm-hmm. where it was just these shipping containers that people would just turn into band practice spots that you'd get locked in after nine o'clock <laughs> if you didn't get out. Um, How so, was the sound in one of those? It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, people put carpets up to try to tame it, but not much you can do, especially when you can really hear the other bands playing at the same time. <laughs> I would just set up at the end of one of those at one of their, I think it was either Holden Caulfields or it was Band, B-A-N-N-E-D. It was one of them theirs. And they let me kind of set up and just run my set list in one go. And I think I actually found that cassette tape a couple of days ago. It's pretty early take of, of that whole album. But just it's just one guitar and one vocal all the way through. We'll have to have a listen. All in one take. That's how. Uh, so that's the one only time I really recorded those ones before I actually went and did the album, which was a total spontaneous thing. Well, tell us about that. So we were on a family trip to to see my uh, sister who lived in Pleasanton, California, which is just east of the Bay Area. And I don't remember what we were there to do. I think we were there to see a baseball game or something. We were there for maybe five days. I saw that they had a four-track recorder, a digital four-track recorder, um, which I didn't have. And they had a bass lying around and a a little Casio keyboard. And I brought my guitar with me just because that was like my best friend. I wouldn't go anywhere without it. But I got there and I didn't even realize, like, I got there and I saw that they had the recording stuff. So I figured, like, hey, when we have, like, some dead time, you know, and we're not doing anything, I'm thinking I'm going to just record some songs and see how that goes. So I would just set up in their kitchen early in the morning and they would hole up in the bedroom and I would uh, just start laying down song after song until I think a few days later I had probably 14 songs um, that were all multi-tracked with uh, doubled guitar parts, with doubled uh, vocals or harmonies and some lead guitar parts, and, so, and bass. There was no um, drums, so, so it was all acoustic, and I put some keyboard parts in there that are really cheesy sounding. <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of my first time like playing bass on those songs or like trying any of these ideas out. It was just, you know, I'm just going to record it and, and it's basically like a, a glorified demo. Just a big old experiment. Yeah. And so I think after the baseball game, we went to a Giants game. And I think after that, we went to my sister's husband's friend's house. It, it was one of those uh, apartments in San Francisco that are like the big tall ones and super skinny mm-hmm. and they have like six levels. Oh yeah. 
Um, reminded me of Full House, but so my sisters, they're friends' houses. So uh, we went there, and I think I I stayed the night over there with with the guys, and I think my I don't even think my sister was there, and one of the guys took interest in it and said that he wanted to master it. So we actually did a bunch of mushrooms and uh, sat around listening to music while he went into his, put his headphones on, I guess. I, I don't know where he went, but he went and mastered the album in a few hours and came back and we just tripped out listening to that. <laughs> um, and they were like blown away, like, who's the producer on this? Oh my God. Like people popping out of the corner, like, what, who is this? Like people amazed. Um, so I, I was pretty flattered by that, but I definitely heard a lot of flaws in the performances, but it, it is what it is. It sounds like it was a big feat. I never released it, though, so I've, I've never... So it's not available on streaming services? Not yet, at least. That'll be some premium content. Definitely yeah. either premium content or <laughs> um, maybe because it is coming up on the 20th anniversary... Um, the album is called Man Overboard. I did. Uh, I burned a bunch of copies of the CD after I made it and gave it to some friends. So that's the only thing that's floating around out there. There was one song on it that I left off of the copies that I gave to my uh, family, but I left it on to the for the friends. <laughs> that was the explicit. That was version. one that was uh, kind of dirty, pretty X-rated. <laughs> So, yeah, that's even deeper exclusive content <laughs> if you ever uh, get to hear the business. The business. Mm -hmm. Cheers to that. Okay. Yeah, so if you've ever heard that song, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> well, what else? Anything else interesting about the album itself? Anyone else that was influential? Like, your, your first song on it, you said, that you wrote was because you had to have an aleph or some heartache. Mm -hmm. Were the rest of the songs kind of following suit? Uh, I think the next song was pretty vague what it's about. I don't even really know what it's about. It's called Realize. Um, it's not about that. Uh, but then I think the fourth song was definitely another, uh, what I would consider a cheesy love song. And I was, it, was, it was like trying to, uh, it was so cheesy, but it's like about like puppy love. And it's basically trying to, find that again after being brokenhearted is a kind of hard thing to hard place to go so I was trying to force myself into that and then I think the fifth song was definitely about heartache again and then I think the seventh song and then th then it was done and I think by the seventh song it was uh I was over it nice so good therapy yes absolutely it took a couple months but so after that album I definitely wanted to get a band together to perform that material. Oh, I should probably start back. The first time I ever performed that, the songs from that album were at a, um, a gig at players. Was that the video you showed me? Yes. So I, there's a videotape of this, of these performances. It was two nights. Um, funny story again, involving, um, drugs. <laughs> uh, me and my buddies were, <laughs> uh, we were on mushrooms, and, and we went to our friend's house, and I remember them handing me this weird, trippy-looking flyer um, that it, it looked like it, it looked like the paper was handmade. and But, like, there was this weird, I couldn't tell if it was printed or if it was art that they made this, this flyer out of, but it had, like, their two bands, which I think was Band and Holden, Holden Caulfield, and, and me opening for both of them on, on two nights, because they wanted me 
to, I think they were trying to surprise me. I didn't even ask to get put on the bill. They just were like, hey, we want you to open these. Uh, here's the flyer. Was it the same night or was it? No, it was okay. It was like a few weeks ago. I, I got the impression like they got you high. No, Said no, the no, no, flyer no. and then said that you're opening. No, we were, <laughs> I mean, the whole mushrooms thing was a different trip, but okay. like... I remember we went to the grocery store and then I thought there was a monster on the other side of the aisle and I freaked out and, and then we ended up at their house and uh, I was probably pretty high by the time I got there and saw this flyer and uh, and it's like had really weird palm trees and stuff jumping out at me and it was kind of crazy and I, I was just thrown back by like seeing my name on the flyer like what what do I have to do? So there's a video out there of uh, me performing these songs with some and doing some covers. I think one of those nights was the night that I wrote the business, and I that was one of the first times I ever played it. So yeah, that was I think early that summer. Um, Jared uh, was drumming on it on that album. He was kind of next to me, just sort of making up drum beats for songs that he didn't know. Um, so that was kind of brave of him. And that's that's awesome. He was about to move to Boston to go to the Berklee College of Music. So uh, one of the songs on the album is actually about him. And even though it seems like it's about a girl, it's, it's called the, Vo the Void. And yeah, I, I definitely wanted him to be my drummer, but I knew I wouldn't be able to have him as my drummer. So that was kind of sad. Uh, so that's kind of cool that we'll, uh, we may be reuniting this year because it's been about 20 years since I've played with him. Um, but we'll, he'll, he'll be on the uh, next Goodbye Dinah album, album, which is pretty special because he's never played in that band before. But um, So after I recorded the album, I got interest from my good friend at the time, Mike. He wanted to do a band with me, and we would hang out anyways most of the time, so we decided to use our time just trying to teach him those songs and get him to learn the bass parts. And then we uh, found a drummer named Adam Lowry that we knew through a uh, one of the, the girls that we knew, Jamie. It was her boyfriend. And she said that he had good taste in music and he was into drums, even though his drum set was pink or, or salmon, I guess. <laughs> And we uh, we got together and practiced at the Empire Mini Storage in one of the storage units. We got our own thing. We put Christmas lights up and some carpets and and started rehearsing the songs. Um, we got you know probably a good forty five minute set list out of it, and we played players once. And that was that was a really fun gig, and then we played a house party in Tamarack Park, and that was cool too. And then we played players one more time. I don't remember if it was Halloween or not. It was a kind of a surreal night for me, and that was. And then they they quit the band that night uh, that we played that show, and I think I immediately went into depression and drank way more whiskey than I ever should have, and I was like, basically, in a way, trying to kill myself with whiskey. And I, yeah, good thing I didn't. But I, I didn't do whiskey for probably. 18 years after that happened. You're welcome. And cheers to that, that uh, <laughs> you got me back into whiskey. Thank you for that. Now I know how to control myself. Um, yeah, I remember walking down the middle, the traffic line in the, in the road out there on 14th with a bottle of Jack in my hand. Jesus. Just blackout drunk. I, I can't believe I remember that. 
And then I remember just like huddling in the corner at some party, like <laughs> in a pool of my own tears and vomit, probably. So yeah. Glorious. Goodbye, Dinah. Man <laughs> overboard. That that pretty much encapsulates uh, how where I was in my life at that time. That's, that's a good story. Um, I was very experimental, and I was very, very focused and driven, and also very fragile. And it sounds like you got some good works that are pretty meaningful to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're like my first babies. That's like my first kid, yeah. in a way. Um, I, I reused a lot of the songs on the albums in other albums. Like, for instance, Realize the Void and I Still Want You turned out to be on my first, what I call my first real album, uh, which was 27, that I released in 2008. Um, so those were, I redid those with a full band kind of sound on that record. I used Peace of Mind and Summer Sweet on a subliminal album and kind of changed them up and made them more reggae. It wasn't the end of those songs for sure. It's continued to kind of feed into your current or more music down the line. Yes. There's an instrumental on that album that was on, (laughs) I think we used it in Thought Police. That's the first time it showed up. And it was more of an interlude into... Any, pretty much any song that's in E minor, um, which I think for that time it was Government Kills. And then I used it in this album, which was it led into The More We Live. And then I used it again in Blame Amy, uh, on the actual Blame, Blame Amy album, that was, it wasn't even a separate track. It was like, that's how the song started, and it was one of the singles. Mm-hmm. It was on perfect fit, and I, I I was pretty surprising that that whole thing was able to go there. So this, I mean, I was surprised they wanted to do that as whole, just one track instead of make that its mm-hmm. own thing, because it should start right at the riff, but <laughs> choices were made. Now, you have picked a song from your album to play mm-hmm. for the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you prepared? Am I drunk enough? Are you ready for this? Okay. You only get one take. All right. Another cheers. I'll okay. come one more sip. <laughs> mm. All right. Here I lie on the floor, broken. I can't take anymore. Why can't people like me? Just fulfill their fantasies I don't know what I should say It doesn't matter anyway Cause when I sing this song I know that you'll be gone Oh, 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 I wish I'd find Girl, it gives me peace of mind A one that gives me loving And gives it to me all the time, yeah Everything I've tried Takes away of all of my pride One thing that I know I don't have any faith no more But if I want to go 
to give another chance. I'll give another chance. I'll just keep on waiting until I can find a romance. vomit from 2002 <laughs> that was some wonderful vomit wow thanks yeah, i appreciate that I, I was doing a lot of sublime that year so it was more of a like i was trying to do that type of vocal mm-hmm. and simplicity in the in the songwriting that's just what i felt like i was being taught that year by taking that on mm-hmm. seems like it worked well for you hmm <laughs> wow thank you that's very very nice of you Stephanie, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I, I'm glad you enjoyed your time in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> Always, anytime, any day. All right. Um, anything else you want to add for episode two? Hmm. I don't know. Some fun things are in the works, guys. I hope you stick around and and uh, subscribe and smash that <laughs> smash like button. That like button. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, my goal is to try and get on a weekly schedule to release a new episode, and we're going to work towards uh, the current album that Andy's writing. And so next week we'll get into the next album that you recorded and uh, have you play a song from that as well, and we'll just keep going from there. Ooh. It'll be fun. It'll be so fun. It's quite the ride. Yay. <laughs> All Th- right. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yes, thank you for bearing with me while I figure out podcasting and whatnot and for um learning how to interview and shit (laughs) i didn't know we could cuss on this thing oh yes fuck shit fuck (laughs) there's your your, face that's your intro right there balls oh my yeah we're cussing oh my it's happening oh my goodness all right cheers good night good night Thank you.